Welcome to Truth Well Spoken, the official podcast for McCann Health and an opportunity to connect across disciplines, companies, and countries in our mutual pursuit of endless truth seeking. I'm your guest host, Ben Zangi, and for episode 23, I'm hosting a discussion with Jethro Grassi, Head of Experience and Innovation at McCann Health, New Jersey. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me. And Chris Hefferon, Head of Tech Strategy at McCann Health, New Jersey. Hey, Ben. Super excited to be here. Thank you, guys. Today, we're excited to unpack the metaverse from where it started to where it's going and what steps we can take as healthcare marketers to stay ahead. All right, let's dive in. Starting with a little bit more of a historical lens, I started hearing about the metaverse from the book and eventual movie Ready Player One, but I'd like to step outside the science fiction of it for our discussion today. Can you help me define the metaverse for someone who's not familiar with it or have maybe only heard a bit about it? Well, I mean, you started it great there, Ben, because it's actually not something new, although it may be new to a lot of people over the last year or so. The author, Neil Stevenson, first used the term in his novel Snow Crash. And then there's actually been a real-world implementation for the last two decades in Second Life, developed by Linden Labs. So it's actually not a new thing. You mentioned a couple of use cases, but how is it actually being used today? So the metaverse is actually a virtual environment, much like the World Wide Web is a layer on top of the internet. Some people term metaverse as being like a next generation of the internet. It's kind of a bit of a misnomer because the metaverse runs on top of the internet. It's actually a virtual environment that runs on top of the internet, much like the World Wide Web, that people interact in this virtual environment with VR headsets as their interface, as opposed to a browser, which they do on the World Wide Web. And have you seen any use cases specific to healthcare? Well, I think in healthcare, certainly VR being a rock bed foundational technology of the metaverse, VR has certainly been critical in surgical training, medical training. One of the really interesting anecdotes is surgeons being able to pre-perform complicated surgeries before they actually do them. So this is an idea that I really love. My surgeon being able to practice in a hyper-real virtual environment before operating on me. And I think the metaverse twist to that would be being able to collaborate with other medical professionals or to use that in a learning environment where you're teaching a new surgery. And the same goes for engineering. I think with solving complicated engineering problems on a 3D model together in VR is becoming more and more possible. And with the metaverse will be more possible in real time. Certainly don't want your doctor coming in to perform a surgery cold turkey. So I, I appreciate that aspect of it. Along the same lines of collaboration, and, and remember, we're kind of talking about how has it been used to date? What about in the corporate environment in terms of collaboration? Because obviously that's not something that is specific to doctors and engineers. One of the most common use cases in the corporate environment is really virtual meetings and conference setting. That's the typical. But it's worth remembering that the concept of interacting in virtual environments in an online environment has been going on for the last two to three decades, particularly in the gaming space. I mean, if you consider the most of the games that the younger generations have been playing now, they're all like multiplayer games that are done over the internet. They put on their headsets, they put on their goggles, they load up their game and they get their console online. And there they are, they're interacting with their friends in these virtual environments. 
It just so happens to be in a game rather than in a corporate setting or any other kind of space. It's interesting to see the historical use cases, but let's shift a little bit to the present. The metaverse as we know it today. So bring me up to speed. What shifts have we seen in the metaverse, in the environment, the audiences or its capabilities? So little's actually changed over the last 20 years. That's the comical aspect to this, I suppose. Some of the things that's made it more accessible has certainly been bandwidth on the internet. Because this is 3D and audio and video over the internet, it obviously has a strain on, on internet connections, which have grown exponentially over the last two decades. So it's made it much more accessible. And then, of course, there's the technology in the actual headsets themselves. They've become lighter. They've become more cost effective. And like cost is a really big aspect here. But I think there's still much more to do. And certainly there's still innovation happening in terms of headsets. That's the main area where there's still a lot of research to be done. There's still a lot of work going on as well with audio, for example, like spatial audio, which is interesting because one of the creators of Second Life, he's actually moved on to developing a spatial audio technology. So I think there are still things to come in terms of the technical capability of the metaverse. And if you look at things that Facebook has done or what Meta's done with the metaverse, it's still been quite clunky from an experience. I mean, there was lots of jokes about the kind of floating heads with their first incarnation of metaverse. I'd like to echo that maybe we're not there yet and not a lot has changed, but what I think we are seeing a shift in the present is in marketing. Within the last year or two, Facebook changing its name and shifting how it's packaging certain technologies as metaverse technologies. So I absolutely agree that there's a lot more to be done in terms of technology to get there, but we're seeing the marketing shift ahead of the technology, of course. I think that's right, Chris, as well. That I mean, like the marketing aspect of this is perhaps the most interesting and perhaps the most annoying as well <laughs> as a technologist, insofar as yeah, like for anybody, any marketer that's followed any new innovations in the space will probably have heard of the Gartner uh, hype cycle. Now, we've come full circle on the hype cycle when it comes to metaverse. So there was a lot of hype about it two decades ago when Second Life was launched. And then in the few years after Second Life launched, it was at the beginning of a hype cycle then. Um, two decades later, and we get to 2021, 2022, and suddenly, because of Facebook changing its name to Meta and investing heavily in Metaverse, where there's been obviously a second start to the hype cycle again. So we were right at the beginning of it again. I think what's interesting and why it's quite timely to talk about this now, so we're talking about it after that initial hype again. If you looked at 21-22, everybody from the marketing space was talking about Metaverse again. Interestingly, nobody's talking about it right now other than us. <laughs> we're talking about it for different reasons. But actually, when you think about it in terms of the hype cycle, everybody's moved on. Everybody's now talking about AI again as well. But that's another discussion. Would it be fair to conclude that the hype isn't necessarily correlated to the adoption of the metaverse to date? I think that's right. 
And, and if so, I mean, what are some of the major challenges, whether they be technological or others, that need to be overcome in order to drive adoption? I'm not a believer that there's a huge technical gap right now. Like, I think we've got bandwidth that's more than capable to most people. One thing that I often talk about is whether humans are ready for the technology. And I think we're still probably a generation or so before there's going to be that widespread adoption of technology like Metaverse. So, for example, it was only like a couple of years ago, most people couldn't have conceived even that everybody would be working from home and meeting online in Zoom and Teams. But very quickly, we realised that absolutely we could do that. Um, We were forced to, humans were forced to. So it kind of sped up a new way of working, so to speak. But the technology was there for years before. And I think we're going to see the same thing with anything and like particularly something like Metaverse, which is a really big shift in how people engage with each other. It's going to take time. Now, of course, the younger generations that are in the gaming space, for them, it's very natural. It's a very natural thing to embrace. But then for anybody that's not in the gaming space and that isn't of a younger generation, it's just going to take time before humans have caught up with that way of engaging with each other. Chris, do you have any comments on that? I agree with that. And I agree that the foundational technologies are here. Sensors, holographic projectors, our cameras are sufficiently advanced bandwidth. Jethro, you hit on that. The human adoption readiness might not be there. But I would say if there's one remaining tech challenge, I if we take, for instance, the holy grail of really useful mixed uh, augmented reality or mixed reality glasses, and I'm not talking about glasses where you can just post to social media, I, I mean one that could really impact how you live, and think about all the components that would have to go into those glasses. So the battery, the camera, the speakers, receivers, sensors projectors. And I think that one of the remaining technical challenges is how to produce these things light enough and small enough to fit into these form factors. So how to miniaturize and produce these cheaply enough where they could be mass marketed. And I think it applies not just to glasses, but also to headsets, which need to continue to get lighter for broad scale adoption. When we're thinking about the technology as well, you're right, there is still advances that can happen to improve the experience. But also, I think if you take a broader look at the metaverse, is that there's actually a number of other things that still need to be done for it to really take off. So like the broader view of metaverse is that you can buy things, sell things, you can like interact in the same way that you interact in the real world, but you do it in a virtual environment. And so you're thinking about things like money, you need internet money. And yes, of course, there's been a lot of advance with that over the last decade or so with virtual currencies. Um, they're not solved either. And then you start getting into some more interesting thing when you start thinking about identity as well. An identity in a digital sense, not in the physical sense, that is a very much unsolved thing right now. There's a lot of work going on with decentralized identities. And honestly, for Metaverse to be fully realized, a lot of these things still need work and they still need to mature. You bring up a good point about adoption and accessibility here, too. 
And you mentioned the conversation has primarily been around AI, particularly with the proliferation of chat GPT and all these emerging technologies coming together kind of puts in a question ethics behind some of these emerging technologies. You bring up unified identity and we start to get into HIPAA concerns. Can you talk a little bit about the ethics behind this? I think the, the ethical challenges are myriad and of course will evolve with the technology and society. But there are two that jump out at me and you hit on one of them, which is the identification of artificial intelligence. So what are the rules? What will the rules be around identification of artificial intelligence? So if we're in this virtual environment and we are conducting more of our learning, more of our commerce, more of our modern lives there in a system of avatars that you're interacting with and speaking to. What are the rules around identifying when you're speaking to a real human versus a piece of software, no matter how intelligent and complex in different contexts? Because I think that's going to raise some issues. Who governs those rules? Do we leave it to the private entities like your Facebooks and your Twitters, or does the government play a role in this? Exactly. My personal opinion is that we would see some government regulation at some point, probably. And now I'm really looking into a crystal ball, but probably after the establishment of the metaverse for learning, commerce, etc. I think it's also when we say like the metaverse, I think we need to be careful here as well, because one thing that we didn't cover was that actually it's not like there's one metaverse. There can be multiple metaverses. So, for example, the metaverse that Facebook, sorry, Meta, has been trying to develop is one environment, but then there's already another metaverse in Second Life. There could be another metaverse developed by somebody else. Like, there is no single metaverse. And when you're considering things like ethics and privacy and all of the other technical challenges to it, that is another aspect to this. I mean, if you've got an environment where you are divulging certain information, if you're divulging that to the company uh, Meta, um, it has implications for how you then connect in other metaverses. We see this problem with the internet as it is right now. Forget about metaverse. We have a problem with privacy and ethics on the internet as it stands, like whether that be because of breaches on websites that are privately run or whether it's access. So if you think about websites that are accessible to people with various disabilities, there are a whole number of things that aren't solved yet for our normal worldwide web, the internet. So they're all the same problems that we're going to have in any metaverse that gets developed as well. Yeah, I think equity of access will certainly be a challenge, just as we've had with getting internet to all corners of the world with proper bandwidth. If we're really talking about metaverse with a capital M and conducting our lives inside of it, you know, so the big metaverse, if that does appear, it may come with peripherals and equipment and how much do those cost and who has access to those and are they accessible to all. My takeaway is there's still a lot to figure out with the metaverse from how to access it, the technology, the governance. There's some risk in there. I mean, Jethro, you mentioned for this to be widely adopted, you're looking at, you know, a generation out. What year are we talking about here? I think we're probably more like two generations out. I think it's there's so much still 
to do from a human acceptance perspective. Even if you consider the younger generations in gaming, it's certainly not all the younger people that are into gaming. I think it's some time out. I think it's also interesting if you look back to some of the early ideas around Second Life, and particularly that Michigan University piece that was produced which was specifically targeting the healthcare sector and was promoting some particular use cases in the healthcare space. Interestingly, none of that actually happened. And interestingly, that's also a good example of where there would be a lot of concern with. I mean, specifically when you talk about HIPAA, it would just never take off in today's understanding just because of how we've evolved with the internet. Chris, how about you? We're talking about a widely adopted metaverse. When do you think that'll happen? There was some great research conducted by the Pew Institute under the auspices of their future of the internet canvassing. And so they canvassed a bunch of metaverse observers, experts, technology analysts. And if you forgive the sports handicapping phrase here, they put the over-under at 2040. And they asked this large audience of metaverse experts, but also just enthusiasts and observers, whether they thought there would be a fully evolved metaverse impacting our daily lives before or after 2040. And they were split almost right down the middle. I'm thinking we've got time. I'm thinking we've got a decade or two. Mark Zuckerberg is, I think, on record a few times saying he thinks we're a decade away. But I concur with Jethro. It's probably more like a few decades. So 2040 couple decades, couple generations, you're talking to a guy who sometimes struggles to plan for things next week. Like, why is it important to start thinking about and preparing for the metaverse today? Well, I think some of the security and privacy concerns we're talking about today are a huge reason. We've got time. And so there is time to experiment. What I would urge marketers to do is experiment in a compliant fashion and a secure fashion as much as possible. And we can hit on some of those things that they can do. That would be my recommendation. Use this time now to experiment with some of the foundational technologies, so collaborative meeting spaces, virtual reality collaboration in general, and experiment. And use this time also to find partners that are doing metaverse technologies in a secure way, in a compliant way, and that are not just looking at today's regulation, but looking ahead. So they're not just looking at, let's say, GDPR, but they're looking ahead at how federal regulations about privacy might be evolving through CCPA and other state legislation. So these are the types of partners that you want to be engaging with now. And from an experimentation standpoint, as you're in healthcare, it's going to be easier to experiment internally with virtual meetings and all that. Are there customer-facing experimentation opportunities for our clients in healthcare? I think there are some use cases in health that are, that are quite compelling. For example, for anybody that's suffering from things like loneliness, so one of our partner companies is big in this space, in the loneliness sector. So anybody suffering from any kind of anxiety disorders, there is a case where interacting in this virtual environments actually offers benefits versus in person. I'd like to dig in a little bit more on experimentation for healthcare. Are there other areas that you'd recommend experimentation for our clients? 
There are a few, certainly. I think collaboration with their partners. So I, I do think virtual meeting spaces in these times of pandemics and working from home, it does give you a sense of presence, uh, real presence and collaboration with your partners. And that's only going to improve. I know this is a big focus of Meta Labs, the company, is to provide greater feeling of physical presence. I think there's also some experimentation to be done with virtual congresses, maybe on a smaller scale with a smaller audience to facilitate real engagement and Q&A and ideation. And just more broadly, what excites you looking out into the future of the metaverse? Where is it headed in the next five years and what excites you the most about that? So personally for me, it's the ancillary things. So it's things like decentralized identity. It's things like virtual currency. I think how they get integrated into these virtual environments, I think that's where it's interesting for me. Like there's a whole technical challenge with then how you connect different metaverses together. I think it's really interesting how regulation could impact the technology as well. Um, I think there's still so much more to see and so much more to understand and how it will come to fruition. But I think right now it's very much gimmicky at the moment. I don't think there's a clear vision for it. Yeah, I'd want to try to avoid a world where I'm late to my next meeting because I'm walking down a virtual hallway. <laughs> I'm excited for virtual workspaces, so projected screens when we get there. Obviously, we're not there yet. For me personally, I'm very excited for the idea of having a smart projector that I throw down on any surface, any table, and I've got multiple screens for coding and doing email. To me, that is very exciting. And it still feels like it's sci-fi, but it's being promised to us. So I'm personally excited about that. And also excited about the idea of complex medical procedures being taught, being practiced in a immersive environment that is hyper accurate, that is anatomically real, that it's, that feels like an operating room where they can make the environment as real as possible. I think that that is going to perhaps make complicated surgeries better. So those are some of the things that made you excited. I, I guess leaving our audience with the summary, what are the key takeaways you'd like to relay? I have a sort of a practical checklist. So we've talked about what we're excited about and what's coming. And we've talked about how to experiment in the interim and keeping that focus on the interim between now and a fully realized metaverse. I have some pragmatic tips kind of focused on security and privacy. One, if you are considering experimenting with virtual space and collaboration, you definitely want to check with your internal security folks, your CISO or your IT team just to make sure that the backing storage for the platform that you want to use is secure and the conversations you're having and the interactions you're having are appropriate for that environment and the way they're storing that data. Another suggestion is to prioritize in when you're doing tactical planning or brand planning to consider prioritizing extended reality and mixed reality over VR for greater inclusion and compliance, just making use of the physical environment more and taking the headset out of the equation and some of the complications of that. And where would you recommend one go like specifically? What domain do I type in to start experimenting there? I personally liked Spatial IO. Jethro, do you have one or two that you like? Yeah, there's the Mozilla hubs as well. I think that's quite easy to use. But Spatial IO as well, I've used several times. 
Let's turn it over to you, Jethro. What are the key takeaways that you'd like to leave the audience? Firstly, I think we're some time away from this being the normal for humans. I think we're at least a couple of decades away. We probably won't even see it in my lifetime. I think there are like any interest in it. Like I advise people to first go and try it out. So to try out spatial, try out Mozilla Hubs, try out Meta, try and get used to it first and then start thinking about how it can be applied. And then to Chris's point, I think is very relevant. And that's to consider like privacy and equity first. What about artificial intelligence and how that plays a role in the metaverse? And I saw recently at CES, there were entire environments created by artificial intelligence in the Unreal Engine. How do you see that evolving or playing a more prominent role in the metaverse? It's really interesting, actually, when you think about AI and the metaverse for a number of different reasons. So, for example, like number one, when we're interacting with each other in a metaverse, we are basically virtual avatars. Obviously, as AI improves, we could be interacting with artificial others in the metaverse rather than with other humans that are behind those avatars. So I think there's a whole interesting angle there where instead of you talking to Jethro Grassi in the metaverse, maybe you're talking to an artificial version of me. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is how AI can impact the creation of these environments. I think there's something in that as well. Yeah, it's interesting. The part that kind of gives me gimmicky vibes about the metaverse is I become essentially a cartoon character when I'm in there. And with AI today and digital humans, I could see that playing a more prominent role in bringing an element of realism to the metaverse. That's right. And I think just from a creation standpoint as well i mean if you want to create an environment in the metaverse you know there's overhead like there's overhead in actually creating your space so to speak and i think with automation and machine learning i think there's certainly a space for environments to be created more automatically i think the natural language processing of ai has gotten so good that i do think that those lines will be blurred between human and artificial intelligence. So I think you're seeing that with ChatGPT, and I think it will be hard to tell very soon who is human and who is a bot. I think it's going to be a challenge for private companies, but also for public policymakers. If and when the metaverse really becomes more normalized, I think we're going to find that angle of AI more interesting, like that notion of interacting with not a virtual person, but a virtual actual intelligence. Jethro, not to put you on the spot with this question, but what do you make of 3 billion, uh, approaching 4 billion in cryptocurrency fraud or theft, recent string of NFT thievery and fraud? Do you see that slowing down the development of the metaverse rollout? Or how do you see that playing out? And do you see government regulation of cryptocurrency factoring in? I mean, it's difficult because you're talking about individual components that are going to augment the metaverse. So, for example, virtual currency, for example, like identity solutions, for example, external regulation. I don't think that individual things happening with them are going to impact the growth or the uptake of any kind of development in the metaverse. The metaverse can exist 
and will exist regardless of what happens with virtual currency. Like, and, and here's the thing, when you think about like virtual currency, I love using that analogy of the metaverse and the gaming space again, because I think that anybody that's into the gaming space will know games have had virtual currencies long before there was Bitcoin and the like. It's just natural there will be virtual currencies in the metaverse. And I don't think that anything that happens with virtual currencies outside of the metaverse is going to impact anything that gets developed inside the metaverse. And naturally, where there's currency, there'll be crime and fraud. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting point. How and when the metaverse does start getting real world adoption and does become more normalized, you're naturally going to come up against all of the ills with human nature there as well. I mean, that's just going to happen, just like it happens with virtual currencies. Well, there are plenty of people that believe in virtual currencies uh, being the future for humans and a positive step in the right direction. There's equally you know, a whole group of people that are out there to make a quick buck. I think you will see things like that in the metaverse, just as you do in the real world. Jethro, Chris, thank you guys so much for your insights on the metaverse today. I really did enjoy the conversation. No problem. Thanks, Ben. It's great. And that's all we've got for today. You can subscribe to Truth Well Spoken on your podcast network of choice. And let us know what you'd like to hear in the future on an episode by emailing podcast at mccannhealth.com. Our podcast producers are Jay Brinkowski, Cassidy Cardone, Melissa Kaczynski, Dina Ragab, Dina Rao. Until next time, I'm Ben Zengi, and this has been Truth Well Spoken.